Welcome to the Activity Continues. I'm Megan. And this is Amy. Thanks for joining us tonight. Megan, what's new in your world? Oh, geez. What is it new? We're finally back to normal after we were quarantined for COVID. And let me tell you, being in the house with your toddler um, and trying to work is just the best. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God. He just wanted to be held all the time. Mm -hmm. And then when I put him in my lap, then he wants to play with the keyboard and play with the mouse and throw (laughs) his newest thing is throwing stuff. And before when he would throw stuff, he would like put his hand behind his head and then drop the thing. So when he would like nothing was there. Yeah. And he's he's learned so he's so he can throw stuff now and he's actually got a decent arm. <laughs> I really think he's going to be left-handed though cuz he throws left-handed. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So I've been saying it for ever since he started sucking his left hand, but like his thumb on his left hand, but Nice. Oh god, I don't uh think that's it. I mean, nothing. It's the fucking we're in a panorama. So, you know, what do we do? <laughs> We're in a panini. Panini, yeah. Yeah. Panera. What about you? What's new with you? Not a ton. Um, I have been watching. I I just today finished the show on Netflix called Inventing Anna. And have you seen any previous for it or anything? No. It's about, it's it's a scripted, acted version of the story of this woman named Anna Delvey, Mm-hmm. who was basically a con artist. And she showed up in New York and told everybody that she was an heiress. She was a German heiress. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to uh, get money for a project she wanted to do. She wanted to build a social club for artists. And um, so she was like scamming all these banks to give her millions and millions of dollars. And They're starving was, people, but those artists, they oh, need yeah. a social club. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, well, it was it was not only for artists, but for people that like mm-hmm. people that buy yeah. and sell art. I'm sure it was just a funny thing yeah. to like raise money for as a social right. club for the artists. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Greg said the same thing when I told him I was watching it. Yeah. Oh but, man, poor artists. Yeah. But it was uh, it was really good, and the good mm-hmm. the girl that plays. Uh, Anna Delvey mm-hmm. is her name's Julia Garner and she's in Ozark. Do you watch Ozark? No, but I've okay. heard so many good things about yeah, it. I have too. I've only seen like two episodes. Um, I do need to get back to that. But well, you love Jason that. Bateman, though. Don't I do you? love Jason yeah. Bateman. I do. He's good. I, he's uh-huh. adorable. I just and I, think and I love Laura Linney. She's his wife yeah. in that. I love her too. The, the only thing that I really recognize her from, um, or like not recognize, but think of when I think of Laura Linney is Mothman Prophecies. Oh. And that movie scared me. I don't me. even think I saw that. Oh, it's, it's got Richard Gere in it. Oh, it's uh-huh. a good movie. I remember when movie. it came out. It's really good, but it kind of scared me. Is it? Yeah. But, um, you know, I scare really easily. <laughs> Up until like two or three Probably two years ago, I thought the Blair Witch was real. So yeah, what do I know? <laughs> that movie was scary, and oh God, that yeah. movie also was um, filmed so so strangely with that yes. handheld camera mm-hmm. that I got really dizzy in oh, the movie theater. Sure. I got like yep. nauseous almost. Yeah, and I had to like stare off into the corner to like realign my uh-huh. eyeballs or something. I was getting yeah. so thrown out of whack. Mm-hmm. But I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was not good. I was scared. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fun story. So my best friend, when we've been friends since fourth grade, and for one of her birthday parties, they watched that movie. Mm. I did not. I sat up in the kitchen talking to her mom the entire movie. Yeah. Because oh, I'm like, I am not watching this. Speaking of watching, did you watch the show, The Concert at the Superb Owl? I did. Oh, my God. I loved it. It was fun. My it mom was, was fun. so funny. She's like, those guys, they are too old to be grabbing their crotch. I'm like, mom, I'm like, these people are pioneers in the rap world. Right. That's what I mean. They're too old. Okay, mom. <laughs> I just loved every except Kendrick Lamar. I wasn't a big fan of that one, but that was a cool though. The dancing and the boxes and all that—that that was yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Yeah, I was. I'm too old to have like that. Was not the music that Your I music, listened to. Yeah. I can appreciate it, and you know, like we've talked about Snoop Dogg before. He's you know. <gasps> I like him. I love him. And I didn't, I've forgotten that Eminem was going to be on. And so I was just watching and and then I hear the beginning of that song of his. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, I know this one. I know this song. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of fun. Amazing. Yeah, it was fun. It was so good. Remember how I said that I created the Patreon page, but I didn't have it go live? Because I was just goofing around with it. Well, it's mm-hmm. live now. Yeah. So if anybody wants to um, bequeath, patronize us on Patreon, <laughs> patronize, patronize, whichever one doesn't mean make fun of. Oh, I was going to say my husband patronizes me all day for free. <laughs> so should I start charging? <laughs> That'll be $5. That's $5. an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so that's up if anybody wants to. Uh, Yes. To come over and join us there. You can follow us for free and you'll still get, I believe you still get emails every time I post something. It's just that you'd only be able to see the posts that are public. Public, yeah. And then if you are a paid patron, then you get to see more extra stuff or you get the episodes early as long as I get done with them early. And I you're usually a speed do. demon, though. Yeah. Yeah, I usually do get done with them early. If you're um, not done with them early, it's because I'm holding you up. No, it's not. <laughs> no. You know, I did yeah, the one that's coming out tomorrow. I did finish it last night. But when I was goofing around with it and I was trying to make the sound better, mm-hmm. I had made too many changes because I was testing something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, let's use this filter and this thing. And I was trying to make the sound better. And it wasn't better. And so you can undo, you can go back and undo as many times as you want. And I did that. But then I started undoing stuff that I wanted to keep. Oh, no. And so I was like, no, okay. So I just closed it. And I was like, I'm going to close it and not save. And then every piece of fuckery that I've done with it in the last (laughs) 25 minutes will just be erased. And we'll be starting over from before I sat down, right? What did you all delete? Well, I closed it. And then I was like, shit, what if I didn't save it before I started making all these dumb changes? <sighs> so I sat there just like, because I couldn't Petrified. stop it. Right. You know, I had to just wait for it to finish cooking and <laughs> deleting everything. But thank God I opened it back up and it was the way it was when I started. So uh, I got so nervous. So I'm like, oh, I'm shit. sure. Because we were we went out last night with our, our um, next door neighbors. Oh, and yeah. 
And I was like, if if this, if this doesn't come back, I can't go out tonight. I have to finish this. <laughs> so, oh, how are they? They're really nice. Nice. They're really cool. Yeah, we had a great time. They like watching TV too. So we exchanged a lot of uh, TV You should watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Loud. It's it, a really hot in place. It's oh, really crowded. It's where the youths go? I guess. I don't know. We were in a booth and the booth was like almost as big as my room. We were joking <laughs> about how big it was. We were like, we could invite 10 more of our friends. Because there's only four of us, and the booth was huge and tall backs and everything. So I couldn't see or hear anybody except us and the mm-hmm. and the um, server. And then, you know, the bar, we could see the bar, but the music was loud, and I could oh. hear that it was just – it was loud. I'm so old that that just sounds terrible. Yeah. It was um, It was a little hard to yeah. hear yeah. talking, but yeah. it's okay. It was fun. Yeah. That's good. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was fun. Tonight, Megan is going first. What? (laughs) Yay. And she'll be talking uh, about the episode called Deadly Promise, which is season eight, episode three. And that first aired on May 20th, 2017. And Amy is covering season 11, episode five, Lost Souls, which first aired August 7th of 2019. So buckle in, kids. This is a good one. It's emotional, though. It's it's very sweet. So it's called Deadly Promise, um, and it takes place in Chicago. So Steve starts talking with Chris. And um, before that, you know, we see Steve driving in, and he said, things are bad um, because the employees who aren't easily scared of anything are scared to be alone. And, and Steve said, Chris promised his friend before he passed away that he would run the business and save it for his son. And so we get into that in a little bit, um, a little bit more down the road. But um, so we start with Chris, who's the business owner. Um, it's a tattoo parlor. Uh, and he says, you know, his artists are seeing shadow figures. They're hearing girls screaming from the basement. Things are moving. Um, he's owned the place for 10 years and he owns the entire building. It's 1,400 square feet per floor. And there's three floors. So math is hard, but that's a lot of square feet. That's a lot of square feet. Um, So they own the basement and then the main floor is the tattoo parlor and then the upstairs are living quarters. Mm -hmm. So it used to be a funeral home. um, And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But what is – oh, what's the other place that I – I did another place that was a funeral home too. (laughs) So your theme is New York. My theme (laughs) is funeral homes. Yep. Um, so Chris and his two partners made a promise to their best friend, Richie, um, passed away, passed away in his sleep at 37. And, and Steve goes, now, you know, I got to ask, was there drugs involved? Was it drug overdose? And he's like, no, it wasn't an overdose or anything. He didn't say, are you boozing? Um, the autopsy report said a heart attack and you'll want to remember that. At 36? At 37. 37? That'll come into play later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Chris was talking about him and he said he was super friendly, a heart of gold. He didn't say he lit up a room, but I don't (laughs) think they say that about men a lot. Yeah. No, not usually. he wasn't murdered. Yeah. Yeah. um, He said 3,000 people attended his wake and his funeral. Jeez. And so, yeah. So Chris and and his friends promised Richie's son, Odin, loved that name, and his wife, that they would run the business for them. And then when Odin came of age at 18, they'd offer the business to him and he could then – kind of carry on his father's business. Yep. Um, but the the reason he called him is he wants to make sure that this is a safe environment for him. 
talked about Richie experiencing things. Richie met a person named Walter and he got pushed down the stairs by this apparition. He fell all the way down the stairs and they were like stairs with like wooden or not wooden, like metal accents in them. Okay. And so he fell all the way down these stairs. So wait, was Walter a ghost? Yeah, Walter was an apparition and Richie was alive when this happened. How did he know his name? He said his name. He said, my name's Walter. What are you doing here? Oh. And then pushed him down the stairs. <laughs> okay. Dang I'm Walter. Walter. I will be pushing you down the stairs yeah. today. <laughs> Hi, I am Walter. Welcome to this tour. Um, In three seconds, you will go down the stairs. Keep hands and arms inside the carpet. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm drinking water. I'm very dehydrated. I don't I'm know drinking why. water, too. <laughs> Mostly because I'm out of alcohol. Oh, yeah, I'm out of almost – I have a lot of wine, but I don't have other good stuff. <laughs> I really wanted to get that Rebel coffee again. Oh, I want to get that too. You know what? They have it. They, you can get it Where? here. Where? Where? At Total Wine. <gasps> Got to go. All yep. right. Um, note to self, get that tomorrow. So he said it was a miracle that Richie didn't die from falling down these stairs. Um, he just had minor injuries. So then Chris was talking about how he's got his tattoo station and behind his tattoo station, he had a mask that was hanging on the wall and it kept falling down. He said it fell down and hit him in the head, fell down and broke the keyboard. And, you know, Steve, he's like, well, is there an angle? Is there, you know, anything that would cause this mask to fall down? And of course, Chris is like, nope, I think it's spirits. And he said um, the other night he was doing some work and he felt like something was watching him. And he said a lot of artists have felt that too. So he had the feeling in the pit of his stomach that something wasn't right and he just left. He's like, Ugh. nope, I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving here. So he just locked up and, and left. He feels like Richie is there, you know, still around. So then they talk about to Nick, who's Chris's business partner. So they, the, both of them own this, um, this tattoo parlor and they both knew Richie. They were really good friends with Richie. He said this place was their home. It was a lot, it was home for lots of people. So it was kind of a, a refuge for people to come to. And he doesn't like being there alone, um, both due to the paranormal stuff and what happened to Richie because Richie died there. He died upstairs. Oh. Yeah, and, and Nick lived there for six and a half years as well. And while he was living there, he had complications medically. He went to a doctor, they performed an EKG and found out that he had suffered a small heart attack he didn't oh. even know about. And he was 49 when it happens. And so oh. keep in mind the age of all these people because that's going to come back okay. in the reveal. It, it gets, you know, it's um relevant. Okay. So some of the experiences that he had when he was sleeping, there was a door that was closing back and forth and slamming shut and opening and, and over and over again. Jeez. And Steve's like, what well, could have been in the wind? I was He's just like, going to say, you can't yeah. blame the wind when it's opening no. and closing. And and he said, no, it's too heavy to have been the wind. Yeah. Um. He saw shadows when he was in the be- bathroom, when he was in the bedroom. And he said Richie told him he had experiences as well. So then we move on to Neil, and he's a tattoo artist that works there as well. Um, he's worked there for about four years, and he talks about the basement. He said most of the sightings happen downstairs. One of the things that he says that's really common is you hear banging, like somebody's walking around downstairs. And so Steve is like, do you have a rodent problem? 
They're really big rats. They're they're like New York sized rats. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know the rats in New York, but I've heard they're I've rather heard large. Tell. Yep. Um heard tell. Oh, that's good. So he says it sounds like somebody is punching the ceiling under your feet. Like that's how loud it is. Um and so late night when he's coming up from the basement, you know, like doing stuff down there, he'll see the shadow of a man. Um, and he said it feels like it's looking back at you as well. And he said it's not really black. He said it's more of a void. Like there's just nothing there. What? Yeah, no, That's thank bizarre. you. And he says a lot of people have claimed that they've either been groped or pushed in the basement. Thanks. And he said you can feel it on your shoulders the more you go into the basement. It feels like someone is pressing your shoulders like a down. Heaviness. Yeah, like a, just a weight on your shoulders. Ugh. And so, you know, Ben, that it's the funeral home, there's been like more than a thousand corpses have been in that building because it was a funeral home um, for so long. And so then we get into Steve's research. And so he talks to Michael Clement, who was a member of the family that owned the funeral parlor. His uh, grandfather, Johnny, actually opened it in 1922. And it was a funeral parlor until 2001. So this thing was a funeral parlor for a long time. Yeah, They talk about Johnny, about he he was artistic. He was a painter. Um, His grandson is saying this, Michael, but he said he was also tough. Like, you do it his way because his way is the right way. You know, his way or no Mm -hmm. way. So here's where we talk about a tragedy. This family had so many tragedies. They lost three. I'm not laughing at the tragedy. I'm laughing because in the reveal, when Steve's talking about it, he goes, they lost three people under the age of 50. Tree. Yeah, tree. <laughs> tree people. Tree people. So We had tree people in the last We episode. did have. We had, we had paper people in the trees. So mm-hmm. tree people. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, his grandma, Anna, passed away when she was 45 in 1938. She suffered an acute thyroid condition that inflamed her heart. And she was dead within a week. (gasps) She died in the building. Um, Michael's father, so Johnny's son, suffered two heart attacks and the third one was fatal. Died in the bathroom of the funeral home. He was 41 when he died. Okay. And then Johnny or um, Michael's brother, so Johnny's grandson, passed away at 28 at the age at the age of 28 of a heart condition. Jeez. So heart attack, Something's heart attack, heart attack, heart. heart attack. So the grandfather actually died at 86. He was oh. in a nursing home. And so he died at 86. So then they were talking about the funeral home setup and he said the first floor was geared for funeral business like wakes, ceremonies, everything like that. And then the basement was strictly for embalming and he said there had to have been thousands of bodies through sure. the the house, which makes sense if you're yeah. a funeral home for 80 plus years, yeah. you know, that's a lot of. Yeah. So then in the 80s a gentleman was attending his brother's wake. So we talked to Virginia, whose husband had died. Um, so her husband was Edwin. They were married in May of 1961. They moved next door to the funeral home, lived there for 30 years. Edwin passed of a heart attack at 54. So this is where it gets a little sad. They were going to celebrate their 25th anniversary. The wedding or the party invitations had all been sent out. Mm-hmm. And it ended up turning into a wake oh. and not a, an anniversary. Oh. So then Walter, Edwin's brother, was there and he came to the wake. It was really crowded. There was a lot of people there. 
he had a heart attack oh, there and God. died at 63. Yeah. So he, at this point, Steve is like, okay, four people have died of a heart attack. Two others have had heart-related conditions. The guy, the current owner had a minor heart attack. Like, holy cow. So Steve is like, I want to know if this was anything else other than a funeral home. So he talks to a genealogist, not a gynecologist. gynecologist. Her name is Jeanne. Jeannie? Jeannie. Jeanne. What the hell? It's Jeannie. (laughs) Okay. Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so Anna Noble, uh, Anne Noble. So when Steve was doing his research, he found Anne Noble and she died of either a murder or suicide. So when he talks to Jean Bloom, however you say her name. I don't know. I'm sorry, Miss Bloom, that I'm massacring your name. I don't know why I'm struggling with it. So Anne was married to Major Noble. He was 22 and he emigrated to the United States from England, settled in Chicago with his wife, Anne, and two kids. Anne, in 1845, she was found dead in her bed um, with a cloth tied around her neck. What? So, yeah. So the coroner said it was death by strangulation, either by herself or an unknown person. The case remains unsolved to this day. Steve said, I'm going with a homicide. I've never seen anybody strangle themselves to death in a bed. No, I don't think you could. How could you? You, uh, it's, you have to hold on for a really yeah. long time to strangle somebody. It's not like in the movies where they do it, like grab their neck and they're dead. Because that's just when they're seconds. unconscious, everybody. Yeah. You can't strangle yourself because you'd pass out before you are dead and, then, and you wouldn't still be able to yeah, hold the thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I don't think you can strangle no. yourself. I mean, you can hang, yeah. but you can't. But she was found in her you. bed. So, like, yeah. there's no way she could have hung herself, no died, untied herself, then laid herself. Yeah. My story has a, something like this, too. <laughs> so then we get to Amy and her arrival, and she said she's nervous right away because a man stepped forward and she thinks he's an issue. He said, quote, said, uh, twists and turns would hate for anyone to learn the truth of the matter here. So not a good situation. Okay. She said she went, she started in the basement. She said there's a lot of lonely, sad, depressed people here. In life, they look dressed up. They're all, all in their late 30s, early 40s. And then she says there's a male who had a heart attack here, um, and he died. And then the dead people downstairs said, we claimed him. And then because we Uh-oh. can't leave, he can't either. Oh, um, no, it's not good. Nice. She says the stairs is not a good area leading from the basement up. She said there's a guy in that area who is pacing and upset. And she said he keeps flashing, going back between appearing – to be 70 and appearing to be 30, like going back and forth in his appearance. So she said she saw him caressing women um, and kind of in an uncomfortable way to the point where she was Mm -hmm. like, is this okay? Like, is this consensual? Um, She said he doesn't like males. He, there, a lot more physical stuff happens to males. She, he's kind of torturing them or, you know, assaulting them physically. Um, she said there's something darker here than the old man. She said something weird, like a, a weird cat thing is what she calls it. She says it's bad. Cat thing? Cat. Yeah. Meow. Cat. <laughs> so she said with the cat thing, the living would hear scratching. They would also hear screaming and growls like from a cat. She said she's calling it a cat because of the way it sounds and the scratching noises it makes. But she said it used, she thinks it used to be human. Oh. 
Yeah. And she said people would see a, a little black shadowy blob if they saw the cat thing. They wouldn't see a cat. Huh. She said the effect on people it has is it influences them to act out. She said people would act like a lunatic. Her words. She says it's bad. She sees a, a group of dead people. They're upset. They're crying. They can't get out. They're confused. She said the living would see these dead people. They might see them walking in and out of the walls. She said people would feel them bumping into each other. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, it kind of makes you think of the basement when Neil was talking about you would feel things on your shoulders. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she said she's really worried about the living people being in the basement for too long and being exposed. She said that the ghosts are depressed and they're very sad and they might cause the living people to be depressed, might cause mm. the living people to become suicidal just because of how they feel. Sure. The spirits have gotten demented and angry, she said, just from being down there too long. So she said the old man, the old young man, she keeps calling him, and the cat thing are keeping the dead people trapped in the basement. And they're the dead people then, you know, so... The old man and the cat are keeping the dead people trapped. And in revenge, the dead people are trapping newly dead souls. They're collecting okay. them for revenge. She said she sees a dead girl trapped in a room. She said she's in her 20s. She doesn't know if she killed herself or if someone killed her. Amy said she killed herself. But I don't know if that's the same person. But if it is, okay. it can't be. Because how would she have killed herself that way? We yeah, just discussed it, Amy. <laughs> so she said she said well i don't go out there because have you seen it it's terrifying and that's in reference to the dead people being trapped here and she doesn't want to get put in the basement because that's kind of where the people get trapped is in the basement yeah so now we go to the reveal so neil and chris so chris is the owner and then neil is the tattoo artist um okay. And so they're at the reveal. And so Steve mentions the promise, but doesn't say anything else. He just says, Chris made a promise to a friend. And that's all I'm going to say. And so Amy started talking about upstairs in the, the room. She saw a black mass. She says it was kind of fuzzy. She said, that's not good. She said, it affects the living. You would feel like you're being watched. And she said, all around the place, you hear scratching noises and growling like a cat. And here's where she said again, the entity at one point was human and would have been on the premises, you know, pre-1940s. And she said he was a bad man. And so that's when Chris said, you know, the other night he had stuff to do and he felt something staring at him from behind. Neil says he'll stay late and you can feel someone looking at you and you turn around and there's nothing there. Mm -mm. No, thank you. Uh, yeah. It's like the the one in your story where she had the art room. Or wait, was that my yeah. story? No, that was your that story. That was your story. That was my story. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was your story. Yeah, it was. And she felt like she was being watched. Because isn't that where they Amy told her to bring Big J with her oh, when she right. told him to yeah. go away? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that was your story. Thank you. I'm smart <laughs> in other ways, Amy. Um, <laughs> um, so then also Neil said, you know, here's where you would hear, you know, sounds like someone is punching the floor under his feet. And he said he has customers ask what the noise is. And he just said, you tell him it's the ghost. And I've gone down there. There's nothing there. I've had customers even ask me, what's that noise? And then uh, basically you just tell them it's, uh, it's the ghost. 
And so she was talking about the people in the basement and she said she encountered a lot of, of dead people. They're sad, they're depressed, and they're getting angry because they're trapped. Mm -hmm. And so that's when Steve talked about the funeral home and he spoke to a family member who worked there for 25 years. That was Michael who talked about his grandfather and grandmother and everybody. Uh, it gets worse. In 1986, they were holding a funeral for a dead guy named Edwin Kudecki. He died from, of course, a heart attack. Edwin's brother, Walter. Edwin's brother, Walter. Came here to do visitation with his brother at the wake and had a heart attack right here. I hope you're ready for this. Okay, one day, Richie came down to the front steps, mm -hmm. got into an argument with an apparition. The apparition tells him, my name's Walter, what are you doing here? Richie gets pushed, goes head over heels down those 15 to 20 metal yeah. steps. Oh my God. And he landed on the ending. And everything happened there, embalming wakes, funerals, all of that. And so she said that dead people do things to the living. You know, if the living spent a lot of time downstairs, they would start to feel depressed and possibly suicidal. Then she said, you know, people would feel like they're being bumped into. And that's where Neil talks about, you know, again, feeling the pressure on your shoulders. Chris says everybody runs up the stairs. He said nobody likes being down <laughs> in the basement. Yeah. Um, and so Chris says he's seen a shadow figure every now and then. But Neil sees it all the time, you know, four or five times a week, he'll see a shadow figure. And then he said, you know, wouldn't even call it black. Like I said, he calls it a void. It's just empty. And so Amy said the dead downstairs feel trapped. And they say, quote, if we're stuck here, y'all are going to be too. So uh, like, that's uh -huh. kind of their mentality. And so uh -huh. she said anybody who died there would become trapped. And then she said she encountered a male who died of a heart attack. And he was the, the dead's first victim. And they're holding him here just as they've been held there. And that's the picture that I sent you, the first one. or the only. Okay, so let me look at these again. They only showed the one, and they showed it first. So the first one I think you sent me is the where a guy's just laying down? That's a close-up, yeah. So the second okay. one I sent you is the entire picture. I the see. Whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it looks like the basement, right? Yep, because that's I the see basement. stairs going up. Yep. And a bunch of people dressed in like looks like nice clothes. Yep. All standing around chit chatting. And then and there's the dead person on the floor. And that's the like. dead guy. That's okay. the dead guy who they're the first one they're holding. And okay. so Steve asked Amy, any idea when this guy had a heart attack? And she said in the last twenty years. Okay. That's when Steve talks about Richie, um, who died at thirty seven. Chris says he went to sleep and didn't wake up and had a mild heart attack. And then Chris talks about the promise. And then, so Steve said, do you think this guy is Richie? And she said, it probably is Richie. Yeah. Wow. So then they talk about the history, um, The and I even wrote down, three family members under the age of 50, all <laughs> heart attacks. So those three family members. And then you had Nick, the, the business owner, who had that mild heart attack at 49. Then uh -huh. you had Richie, 37. You had Edwin, you had Walter, who Edwin lived next to the funeral home. And so she thinks that person that she's concerned about is the old young man that she encountered. Uh -huh. And she said women would feel like they're being caressed, but not like a nice caress. And Neil said, would that be more like a grope? And she said, yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said things that she saw him doing to women in life made him wonder 
if it was consensual. And so Steve said while he was, and they had a picture of him. And did I send that to you? No, I didn't. I'll send you that picture. Okay. Um, just describe it then. It's just an, an older gentleman in like a 40s attire with a top hat, short coat, you know, one of those short waist coats with the, uh-huh. you know, so just sitting on a bar stool looking really jovial. And so Steve wondered if Amy could have interpreted the things he was doing to the women as embalming rather than assaulting them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because all the embalming went on down there. Yeah. And she said, maybe. She said, it's it's possible. Okay. And so she said, the guy, the older gentleman, and the the fuzzy cat thing are the biggest concern. She said, they're the ones causing the heart attacks. Okay. So they're the ones, I mean... That's a lot of heart attacks in a very short period of time. Yeah, She said, like I said, the dead people are becoming spiteful. And she said, this is not a good place. She said, it will get worse and worse and worse. And she said, one of you will have a heart attack. Oh, and she said, you're putting also putting the sun in harm's way as well. Uh-huh. And so they're like, well, what do we do? And so she said, um, she said, you need to release all of the deceased. And so what you want to do is find a priest who's going to do an exorcism. Now, this was really interesting to me. She said, you'll give him the keys to the place, shut it down for 72 hours, and nobody with any ties to Richie can be in this building when he's performing the exorcism. Because wow. Richie needs to make that decision on whether or not he wants to leave. Because okay. right now... There's so many people with ties to him that he might choose to stay or he might sure. want to stay yep. if if he sees his son, his wife, yep. his two friends, you know, anything like that. And so that can inadvertently trap him here. And so Chris is really struggling with this, you know, which I understand. Like he lost his best friend. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough. But at the same time, you know, Steve is like, you need to do what's best for your friend. And so... Mm-hmm. Chris says he, you know, he he'll do that. He'll work on his own emotional, you know, mental stuff of letting Richie go. Um, but in the end, he said he does want to to do what's best for him. So then the the summer up says Chris is searching for a priest to perform an exorcism, and the activity continues. Oh, uh, so they haven't done anything as as, as of, of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, yeah. See, this is why we need updates. Yes, like real updates now. Yes, because. I want to know if the tattoo parlor is still there. Because when this episode aired, he was the son was 14. And that yeah. was in 2017. So he'll be 20. He'll be 18 now. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my case. I thought it was really neat. Yeah, that that's a good one. Unleash the power of stories anywhere, anytime with Audible. Immerse yourself in gripping stories, insightful knowledge, and captivating characters anytime, anywhere. Audible is your library on the go. With hundreds of thousands of titles across every genre, there's a world of reading waiting for your ears. Listen while you cook, clean, or commute. Free your eyes to conquer your day, all while feeding your mind. Start your 30-day free trial today and discover the joy of listening. 
go to audibletrial.com slash TAC. That stands for The Activity Continues. With your free 30-day trial, you get one credit, two credits if you're a Prime member, good for any premium selection titles you like, yours to keep. You get the Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. Listen all you want. No credits needed. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash TAC. Skip the shopping struggle. Get curated outfits picked by stylists who know your taste. Hey everyone, AP here and really wanted to talk to you about Wantable, which I love because I hate going to the store to try clothes on. I don't like being in the dressing rooms, the lighting's always bad, the mirrors aren't great. I'd rather try things on in the comfort of my own home. So I use Wantable to treat myself. Go in and select a style edit, have them send that to me, get surprised by the different items that might be in there. Some are outside my comfort zone, but it's funny how when I try those on, they end up being some of my most favorite items. I have a handful of items in my wardrobe right now that I have worn several times in the last couple months, and they're going to get continued use. Highly recommend you check out Wannable. Get $25 off your first order by going to theactivitycontinues.com slash Wantable. Free shipping and returns. Wantable edits your style. All right. So this one takes place in New London, Wisconsin, which is about an hour outside of Green Bay. The client is Charlotte. She is a mom with nine children. Oof. Maroon. What? And she she bought an old nursing home because it was the only property large enough for her nine children. Nine. Nine. So three of these kids are grown and they don't live there anymore. So really, that's only six. I, I'm confused about her situation, um, th- her thought process. Oh, OK. But I'll get to that in a sec. OK, so maybe the, the three grown kids visit a lot or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But three of them have moved out. She mentions that she has a husband. His name is Jason. But he doesn't believe that anything is going on in the house. And he thinks that she's crazy. Love that support. Yep. Yep. So when I first heard that, I I was like, ooh, we need to do an episode where the theme is the reluctant husband. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of these where the husband thinks that the wife is crazy and then when Steve interviews him, the guy will be like, well, yeah, I see a shadow figure. But I didn't think it was like, real. And you don't think there's anything here? Right. I mean, come on. So, yeah. So I texted Megan and I'm like, we need to do a reluctant husband episode. And then um, by the time I got to the end of this, I changed my mind about this one being included in that. And I'll tell you why later. But anyway. So, oh, I, yeah. No, I guess I'll tell you now. So this Jason, (laughs) this Jason was so reluctant that he was never even a part of the episode. Steve didn't talk to him. He wasn't at the reveal. Never saw his face. Nothing. It's like he didn't exist. Right. So he's very reluctant. He wasn't even on camera. Very Uh, reluctant. Very reluctant. So someday we will do that as a theme, but not today. So then Matt notes that the property is massive and it is it's a huge mm-hmm. old stone building but if you and buy an old nursing home you're gonna get ghosts yeah you wouldn't you think yeah 
So he notes that the property is so big. And I thought, well, at least you're not the only one clearing it yourself. Because mm-hmm. remember in the last thing we learned that there's a whole production crew that goes in yeah. there and helps him clear yep. the place. I know. Thank God. Can you imagine? I know. That would take weeks. He'd still be there. Yeah, he would. Legend has it he's still clearing the stuff He's away. still <laughs> drapery over the painting. So the first thing Amy says when she gets there is, there are so many dead here, and it's extremely loud. So then Steve is talking to Charlotte, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. She says that the activity is destroying her life, her marriage, and it's affecting her one billion children. (laughs) She says she is struggling, and all I can think of is, because you have nine children. Yeah. You have a literal soccer team that yeah. you birthed. Yeah. And it's possible that she didn't give birth to all these right. kids. They might have been adopted because there's like four mm-hmm. littles that all look like they're about the same age. Mm. They could be a year apart. I don't know. But like her oldest kids got to be like 25 oh, or 30. And then she's got these other ones that they look to be about seven. No, thanks. And to be clear, like, we're not bashing her for having all these kids. Like, no, no. We're just in awe that I, yeah, somebody I'm, could have nine children. I can't even have one. So I, there's no way. I, mean, I my barely have one. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I yeah. knew I wouldn't even be able to handle one. There's no way I could handle nine. So Steve asks her why she chose a nursing home. And she says that she fell in love with it the second she saw it. And she knew that it would be enough space for her very large family. I would hope so. And I'm looking at this place and I'm like, does every one of your kid need like four bedrooms? Because <laughs> Well, you've got your sleeping room and your changing room and your drawing yeah. room. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not like a fancy place. It's, you know. So I looked into this place. I Googled it. And I looked into it, and when it was a nursing home in the 70s, which we'll get to all that, but it had 40 residents and 42 staff. So this is a big place. Holy And cow. I'm just wondering why this family needs room for 40 people. Yeah. When there's only nine of them, and or nine plus two parents. And then, yeah, so she talks about what she's feeling, and she says she's feeling watched. There are objects thrown. Mm -hmm. She's being touched. Her health is failing. She's hearing voices. They're seeing shadow figures. And everybody is affected by the mood swings, but mostly her husband, Jason. Who doesn't believe it. Who doesn't believe in any of it. And the way she phrases it made me laugh. And I'm going to put the sound clip in because she says, But my husband, Jason, is um, the absolute worst Light is too, and he's not even affected. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So he she, he's in denial. She says. Yeah, denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. Steve asks if she knows why there's all this activity, and she says that it was a haunted house at one time. And she shows Steve pictures that were taken when it was a haunted house. And it's just like dark and spray painted with like fluorescent paint. And <sighs> yeah. it just looks like, it, you know, like there's a big sign that says in, in spray paint says morgue and it's with uh-huh. an arrow pointing. Yeah. So, you know, I'll put all those pictures up. I did take a picture of the TV screen when they were up. I love so how you said picture in. with the picture. Like I took a picture with an Instamatic camera. Yeah. yeah. Like one of those 
windy ones like with the flash bulb on top yep 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 Children, what we're talking about is an old it's a square camera. Back in the old days. Before these phones, we used to have to wait for our pictures. We couldn't tell if it was a good one or not. That's right. Oh my god. I remember going on a trip or something and taking a thousand pictures and then bringing them to the what was that, one hour photo place? One hour photo, yep. Yeah, but it, no, it was called something else. It was called start with a P. Pro-X. Oh, it's called Pro-X. And that was the expensive stuff. When you couldn't wait any longer than mm-hmm. an hour, you went to Pro-X and yeah. then they got it for you in an hour. But that was the longest hour of my life waiting for those photos to be developed. Yep. Oh, I couldn't wait to see what I got. Oh, the good old days. Yep. So she mentions that her oldest kid and his friends did use a Ouija board there. And they had some kind of a seance or something, and something scary happened. She gets more no into this No shit. I know. What is wrong with people? Stop. Oh, I can't. You guys, just don't use a Ouija board. Duh. That should have been the name of our podcast, is don't use a Ouija board. Yeah. Ouija boards are bad. Mm-hmm. So Amy feels sick. She says, sick, 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 sick. Something is coming at her and trying to push her back, saying, get out of here. We don't want you here. Back. Get out of here. Get out of here. We don't want you here. Amy is so brave. I would be I know. like, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I do what you say. There'd be a Megan-shaped hole in the wall. I'd be like, Okay. <laughs> She says there's too many dead people. She even guesses that somebody had used a Ouija board. And she said it wasn't done with good intentions. And that's why there are so many people. I want to know what is too many dead people? Like, when do we cross the threshold? What's the threshold? Yeah. Of like a normal amount of dead people. And then there's two. Like, where does, is it like more than 10? Too many? Like more than, I would. I imagine it would vary person by person. Yeah. But like, I would think. Would she count like the I would I would she count guides as as dead people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But good ones. Yeah. I mean, they're the good dead people. I just, and she wasn't saying all these were bad. There's right. just a lot of lot of dead people. Yeah. There. Too many. So uh Steve's talking to Charlotte again and she explains that there is a lot of activity in the upper floors of the home. Two upper floors. Mm-hmm. And Steve says, You got a lot of kids. Could it be them? <laughs> They're just running rampant. Just they're the rodents and the kids. That's what she got. <laughs> and uh, she says no because she doesn't allow them up on the upper floors. So here I am going. Wait a hold a second. <laughs> First of all, since when do kids listen when they're told not to go to right. those floors? Right. And secondly, why do you have a nursing yes. home sized house yes. if you're not using half of it? Yes. What is this woman doing? I don't understand. I don't. Charlotte. Call us and like tell Don't us here. That is, yeah, yeah. So they go up to the second floor, and they're Rodents? in their winter coats now. She okay. and Steve are both in their winter coats, and he notes it's freezing up here. Right, and it's winter in Wisconsin. Burr, and she's got parts of her house that aren't heated. 
Well, I'm, I don't she, know if she can't. Like, I mean, can you imagine the heating bill? Oh, I can't. I can't imagine. No, that would be. Oh my god, that would be astronomical. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many square feet it is. I looked up the property and I found it on like Zillow, but it doesn't have the square footage. Does it have the cost? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that. Okay, later. So anyway, I'm thinking, what's happening with the pipes? You can't let a house like half your yeah. house be frozen like that. Your pipes are gonna freeze. <laughs> Anyway, she explains that they haven't been able to finish it because of the activity. They get headaches, nausea, dizzy spells. So my other question would be, why can't husband who doesn't think anything's wrong with the house, yeah. what's his excuse? <laughs> anyway, she's had her hair pulled. She's seen shadow figures. She says you can see through it, the shadow. Yeah. And she sees them almost every time she goes up there. She's also seen a man who has morphed into a monster. No, thank you. Yep. Goodbye. Bye. I will be for sale sign <laughs> in the window. I know. So she said he's an older 60s to 70s man, white. He had some hair. <laughs> I'm going by what she said because her descriptions were hilarious. <laughs> Steve asked her to describe it, this, the, the monster. And she says, it's a creature. It's evil. Great description. Which is not a description. No, it's not a description at all. No. And I was starting not to believe her because she didn't seem to have much to, <laughs> to say in the way of describing anything. Some hair. Like, you know, a monster, you know. You know, uh, Steve, come on. Come on, work with He's me. He's got tree eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so she hears voices. She hears men and women talking to the people, the living people. She said none of it seems aggressive, but it's still scary. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Now we go back to Amy, who she says, there's a woman. She sees a woman here. And she goes, she's got issues. She's a mess. <laughs> she thinks that people would hear her crying, this woman. She thinks the living people might think it's children, but it's this lady. She's angry, and she doesn't know why she's here. Mm. Then Amy sees a guy with a clipboard and says, <laughs> he says it's his space. Space belongs to him. Yeah. Matt asks if the living would see him. And she goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Matthew. <laughs> found funny. Would the living have any experiences with him? Yeah. Um, he makes them feel dizzy and nauseous, aches and pains. So that's what mm -hmm. she's seeing upstairs or experiencing upstairs. This clipboard man says that people have it all wrong. That... Basically, this is hell. And Amy says uh, she doesn't feel good. And that's the end of her little, I mean, not the end of her walk, but that's the, the end scene. Of her segment. And scene. So then Steve is talking to one of the older daughters who moved out. Her name's Haley. One of the herd. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of a word. Team. Uh, yeah. So she says that her dad has been really horrible to everyone. She agrees that their dad is being affected. She said the reason she moved out is that she woke up one night to a shadow figure. Steve asked her to describe it. And she has the same descriptive skills as her mother. And she says, just a shadow figure of a person. In her defense, though, I mean, a shadow figure, that is, I mean, how much more descriptive yeah. do you get, Steve? Yeah. A shadow. I just thought it was funny that she said the exact same words that she said when she just, yeah. A shadow figure. Yeah. You know, a monster. Yeah. You know. Oh, he asked her if she's ever had experiences 
elsewhere. And she said in her old house, she had an experience where something ran across her bed. She was laying in bed and something ran across her bed. No, thanks. So it's not just this house. I think she's just sensitive, you know? So Yeah, I will say I feel things on my bed all the time. Really? All the time. I'll feel things walk on my bed. All constantly. Like I too, but it's dogs. Yeah, it's not. Because I'll look and see. I mean, we don't have dogs, but it's not the cats. Like, I'll look and see and there's no cats. Nothing. And it feels light like a cat, too. Yeah. Like, it's not heavy. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe you have cat ghosts. I hope it's – I hope I do. I hope my my one cat is a ghost. Yeah. But, yeah, I've – that's just normal to me now to feel that. Like, that doesn't even scare me anymore. so weird. Yeah, I suppose. You know, once you're – desensitize yourself to it a little bit. Mm -hmm. The daughter says she feels um, really uncomfortable in this house. And Steve notices and says, are you okay? Do you feel uncomfortable? And she's like, I really do. And she goes, we maybe we should just sell the place. Yeah. So then Amy is talking about the clipboard guy again. She said that he told her that there is a devil here who controls (gasps) everything and everybody, (gasps) all the dead. She describes him as saying that he has goat legs. <gasps> this devil thing. No. Uh-huh. Goodbye. And the, and the dead people when they stumble into a living person, mm-hmm. they become attached to them and then the living person basically becomes them. So, kind of like a possession, I guess, like a Oh, yeah. being jumped but like permanently. <gasps> So Steve talks to the kids, not all of them, but a few of the older ones, and then a couple, one of the little little girls, but they don't name any of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then he talks to Nicole, who is Charlotte's best friend, and she's experienced a lot of stuff in this house. She said there was a time where the whole house shook, and she was looking all over trying to figure out what it was. Like, it wasn't pipes. It wasn't a earthquake. I don't know. They have earthquakes in Wisconsin. I know we don't have them here, so no. probably not. And then she also saw a little boy apparition once. No, thank you. And she's very worried about Charlotte and the kids. Not Jason, though. He can suck it. Yeah. Fuck off, Jason. Uh, real quick sidebar. Yeah. Um, when I lived in the Middle East, there was an earthquake. It was far away, but I felt the shocks of it so much that my bed moved. And this was the night after I had the scariest dream I've ever had in my life. Oh, no. And I still remember it. I slept with the lights on for like a week oh, my God. after I had this dream. It was, there was apparitions in it. There was a black mass that came at me and told me to get out. This was my house. Get out. Oh, my God. Like, it was terrifying. And the next night, my bed moves. No. I about no. shit. <laughs> I didn't sleep for a week. I'm telling I you. bet. And then I found out it was an earthquake, but I was convinced that this demon spirit that had uh-huh. attacked me in my dream was now mo- – and this bed was heavy, uh, like made of solid like oak. Like this oak. was not a cheap Ikea bed. Yeah. So speaking of earthquakes, that Yikes. made me think of that. But yeah, the house shaking, goodbye. Yeah. yeah, so then they cut to Amy and she says, I'm just in shock that people actually even live here. This is bad. It's not a good space. Same, Amy. Same. She said there are dead people that the darkness has collected. 
and it's like a purgatory. I don't like that saying. She said it can travel now. It's gained energy. It's gained whatever. It's leveled up. <laughs> so it can go anywhere, inside, outside the house, anywhere. Now we're going to go to Steve, who is in the car, but I don't think it's a Cad- Cadillac this time. Oh, this is where Steve. we get the ring shot. Yep, yep. So he says that he found out from a researcher that everybody who has owned this property has had terrible luck. So he's meeting with the researcher. Her name is Carrie Dreffel. I might be saying that wrong. They never said her name out loud. The original plan for this building was that it was supposed to be a hospital. Started being built in 1931. Then they ran out of money Mm -hmm. and it sat vacant for 15 years. So at that time, this would have been in the 40s. 40s. Like World War II era. Yeah, it was filled with squatters, vandals. People would break in because they had heard it was haunted. So there was already some shit going down before it even opened up as anything. In 1947, the county bought it and turned it into a nursing home Mm -hmm. in 1950. Mm -hmm. So poor living conditions, abuse scandals, mismanagement of the property, all of that had it shut down in 1962. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was sold to a charity of nuns. Mm -hmm. It was a nursing home. Yeah. They had it inspected in 1971, Uh and it was not up to code, and so it was shut down. Okay. So then this lady produces a list of all the people who died in the nursing home, and it's over 100 people. And I I know people die in nursing homes I mean, it's going to be a high number. Where you go to die. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a little research of my own, and it was sold in 2012 for $10,000. This enormous place, $10,000. The last sale before that was like 250. Um that's sketch. Yeah. Zillow estimates it at 166 today, but it doesn't show any bedrooms or that's bathrooms. It? Yep. So I think that it's probably been labeled labeled unlivable or right. something, you know. Yeah, and maybe it's like a short sale or a foreclosure or something, yeah. or you buy it with the caveat that you have to tear it down. Yeah. Well, it's not for sale right now. So oh, somebody well, if it is. whoever bought it for ten thousand dollars owns it now. I did not dig that far. I wonder if that was Charlotte who bought it. Well, it in two thousand twelve, it must have been. Because yeah, this because came out this in was... two thousand sixteen and it still hasn't sold yet. Yours came out in 2019. Was it 19? Yeah. Oh, okay. Your episode, yep. yeah. Yep, you're right. You're right. So it had to have been Charlotte. That, but I thought she had just moved in when they filmed maybe. it. I thought she had moved in just recently. Maybe not. Maybe she'd been there a long time. Or maybe they Zillow just didn't update it. Well, oh, well. but those come from the the cell the cell amounts and dates come from the county, I think. Oh, really? Oh. Anyway. Also, my research showed that it was called Villa St. Vincent when it was shut down in 1971. This is when it was the nuns nursing mm-hmm. home. Nun, yeah. And they had to move all of the people who lived there, 40-some people, and and over 40 people lost their jobs. Oh. And there are articles in the newspaper about how the staff were super upset about mm-hmm. being closed down mm-hmm. because they said the, the new rules were outlandish and they were expecting things that – like measuring how far apart the beds were – and we're saying that, you know, the people didn't really care about the people living there. They mm-hmm. only cared about their rules and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I believe. Bureaucracy. Yes. Yes. 
and and there was something about um, how they had to dispose of all the medications. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even like if they had medications that were for like Uncle Joe. Yeah, Uncle Joe couldn't take those medications to his new place. They had to destroy it all. So thousands of dollars oh. worth of medications they had to throw down oh. the toilet. Which no, you're not supposed Don't to do, do that. that. No, that contaminates the water. Oh, my God. Can you – all yeah. those so people and all that medication. Yeah, yeah. That's expensive. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I didn't read all the stories, yeah. but that was the things that the people complained about the most. So Amy says, as she's walking around, she says that there have been four events here that made things with the dead even worse. I bet one of them was a Ouija board. Uh-huh. And – there was a quote where she's walking around. She walks into a room and she kind of shakes her head, turns around and walks out. And she, the quote, she's what she's saying is she goes, oh, my God, that's too much. Beep. And I actually think she's talking about all the shit all over the house. Yeah. It's a mess. Like there's wood piled up and yeah. just junk thrown in rooms. And I think she probably like it looked to me like she walked in there and then was like, I can't. It's there's too much mm-hmm. crap in here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She might have she might have been talking about too much, you know, activity. Metaphysical stuff, yeah. But it looked to me like she just couldn't get around. Yeah. (laughs) There's too much shit in there. Well, when you have forty two rooms, you're gonna use I mean, that's just extra storage. And I if I felt like some of that stuff might have been left there Mm -hmm. from Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure, you know, maybe some of the spirits are attached to and that's keeping them there. Uh Uh-huh. Like that's the bedpost that Uncle Joe that that's the bedpost from the bed that Uncle Joe died in, and so yep. he's attached to it. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Poor Uncle Joe. Yeah, he led a good life. <laughs> so Steve finds out that a doctor whose name was August Borkhart ran a medical facility there. There's a name. So Borkhart, you know, and it's spelled Bor- Borchard. Oh. B-O-R-C-H-A-R-D, but he pronounces it Borkhart. Yeah. And so does the other person he talks to. He goes to speak to a genealogist. <laughs> not, a gyne- not a gynecologist. Hey, I, I wrote, Dave, his name is Dave Miller, and he's not a gynecologist. <laughs> so Dr. Borkhart became a doctor after being a teacher. His son had died at a young age, and that inspired him to become a doctor, because they couldn't figure out why his son died. So this stuff all happened before the building was built, the sun dying and all that. But mm-hmm. he had a heart attack in 1931. He's the doctor that had this thing built. And so in 1931, they lost their funding and he had to stop building the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then in 1934, he died of a heart attack. His son, Melvin, who is also a doctor, inherited the building. He abandoned it for a while and then he finally sold it. So now... We're back to Amy, who's talking about the clipboard guy, and yep. she thinks he ran the place. Do we know who this clipboard guy is? I, it's I'm pretty sure it's a doctor. Oh, okay, it's a, okay. Borkhart. Yep. But she said he's uh, he ran the place. He was mm-hmm. a physician, and he had a heart attack. She always says the words "heart attack" heart so attack. funny. I know. Maybe it was a heart attack. Heart attack. Uh, he takes care of things and everybody and he's trying to protect everyone from the darkness and now i'm wondering if that's why if he's the one that amy met that was he when he was saying go away go away we don't Uh want you here uh like he was trying to protect her actually oh i'm just guessing yeah yeah could be 
So Stephen, his research discovers that a 19-year-old kid was murdered in his car near the house. And he talks to this guy's descendant. Her name is Linda Windmuller. There's another name. So this is an interesting story. Her great aunt, Esther Barkholtz, not to be confused with Borkhart. These names are all very similar. Esther Barkholtz. She is the woman in this, um, there's a love triangle between the the 19-year-old kid that was murdered in his car, Mm -hmm. her and her ex-husband. So she was considered a high stepper, which is a term for a loose woman in the 1920s. The worst kind. (laughs) And she had a picture of her. She looked fun. I'm sure she was a blast. I'm sure. So on October 31st, 1930, the body of Henry Glock was found in the front seat of his car. His arms crossed over a bullet wound in his chest. So a bullet wound. That sounds like he was posed. Arms crossed. Oh, exactly. Yeah. There was a pistol nearby, but it was out of his reach. The cops called it a suicide. Sure. Yeah. Like your lady who strangled herself. Yep, yep. And then Steve says, Well, Ray Charles could see it's not a suicide. (laughs) Steve, you have some good lines. (laughs) The coroner's inquiry noted the body was in an unnatural position to have shot himself. The doctor who examined him? Borkhart. The guy that (gasps) had the place built a year later. Was he also the guy that was in the, the triangle? No. 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 Okay, that was her husband. husband, Charles Barkholtz. Oh, God. Not to be confused with August Borkhart. Could they have gotten any more similar names? I know. So the woman that Steve's talking to, this descendant, says that there are stories that the paper told about this love triangle between the victim, Henry, Mm -hmm. Esther, and this Charles, who is her ex-husband. She said that the ex was abusive and demanded that Esther take him back. So they all thought, the papers thought that Charles killed Henry. Sure. But the story that the family tells is that Henry had just come into $500 on the day that he was murdered. So the family believes that he was killed for it. The case has never been solved. Oh. So... Being a true crime fan, I looked up this story Mm -hmm. in mynewspapers.com. Of course you did. And Henry Glock had been shot at on July 18th, so about two weeks before he was murdered, while he was working on a a farm. About a week later, he was discharged from his job at this farm. His boss testified that he had jokingly said that he'd have to hang himself if he didn't find some money. Which makes me think that he owed money to someone. Right, right. So then I then I thought about the story about him coming into $500 on the day of his murder. Uh-huh. And I wondered if maybe he was a gambler and he wanted yeah. debt. And maybe this person came to him to collect, collect their money. And he didn't have it. Yeah. Or he did and they took the money and killed him anyway. I don't know. Yeah. So then on August 6th, about a week after after. Henry is killed. A bullet is shot into Esther's car while she and her sister are driving. What? Yeah. I'm not sure what all this has to do with each other, but yeah. So the article says that Henry 
lived with Esther before she got married. The quote is, apparently, Miss Barkholtz, before her marriage, kept company with Glock. Scandal. (laughs) But then another article said that he went to live with her when he was fired from the farm. And she was she had recently been divorced. When was this again? What year was this? This was 1930. Oh, so yeah, very scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. So the inquest was delayed because they were looking for the ex-husband and couldn't find him. And I didn't see anything in the papers about them finding him or anything else about a trial or wow. if there ever was one. I didn't see his name appear in the papers at all, even under the crazy different spellings that I saw so far. But I did find out that they were divorced in February of 1930, and they had three small children. Sad. She was 26. And that's, that's the way it she was. already had three kids. Yeah. <sighs> that's the way it was. I know. That's all we did. That's all us women were good for was breeding and cooking. Yeah. And I wasn't, I'm not even good at cooking. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, so back to the show. So Amy sees two men struggling about money. She says one is like a teenager, like 17 or something. And she's hearing an older man saying to him, you little piece of shit. I told you to do the right thing. And what did you do? You did the wrong thing. Ooh. And he's trying to make the kid eat rocks. Then she feels really sick. Uh, Wow. Yeah. So now the next part is she's going to have him sketch the clipboard guy Mm -hmm. and the devil in the darkness, the goat thing. I don't want to see it. Yeah, you do. Do I? So I I had noticed by now that they had never talked to the husband and he's not at the reveal. Jason. Fucking Jason. So... (laughs) So Amy says she tells the clients that she was freaking out when she got there because there are just too many dead people. And she talks about the woman who was screaming and yelling. Uh And then she saw drugs and needles. And then Steve gives her the history of the building and shows her the list of the 115 people who died on the property. Oh, my God. And she talks about being on the third floor and meeting the clipboard guy. And she said this is his space. And... she doesn't belong here. And he was the one that was trying to push her, push her back. So she says he, he makes people feel sick, dizzy, nauseous, etc. Charlotte explains how she feels ill. Uh, she feels all that stuff. And she saw that man up there. Steve asks Amy, who was this when he was alive? And she says, well, he did have this clipboard and he was in charge and he seemed educated and he, he took care of everything. And Steve tells her about August Borkart. And Steve shows the photo and asks Amy if this is who she saw. And she kind of goes, maybe. Yeah. And then they pull out Amy's sketch. And I'm going to text it to you. So this is the picture and the sketch next to it. The same. Look at that nose. Look at the nose. The nose is almost identical. The hair, it's a little hard to tell because in the photograph, it's all blackened because it's a black background. But And he's wearing glasses. They're different kind of glasses, but the eyes look the same. The nose looks the same. The nose, the the mouth. Yeah. 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 That nose, that spot. And the only reason I say that is because it's a very unique looking nose. Yeah. Like, it's very like rounded. Yeah, yeah. that's. But those, yeah, oh, rounded at the crap. at the tip and then mm-hmm. the big nostrils. Yep. Mm-hmm. Steve pulls the sketch out of the envelope and he goes. You're not sure? Are you kidding me? 
But the people, the clients say, oh, yeah, that's we've seen that guy. When they see the sketch, Mm -hmm. they're like, yep, that's the guy we've Mm -hmm. seen. So Amy talks about going to the basement and being put in the darkness. There are dead people from all over the world, she says. The clipboard guy calls this hell. Well, she explains that she was raised Catholic, so she sees it as purgatory. Yeah. The uh, doctor slash clipboard guy tells her that it was these events that brought them all here. These things that happened that were not done with good intentions. Uh Charlotte mentions that her son was playing with the Ouija and there was a big boom while he was doing this. And everybody scattered and he called his mother crying. So Amy tells or Steve tells Amy about the haunted house tours. And of course, Uh you know, she's She's aghast. Yeah. And Amy's concern is all these dead people are just wandering around and they can latch onto the living. Just Uh like how she kind of explained it before. When they do, they mesh with them. The living uh-huh. person takes on the emotions of the dead. So if the dead person was suicidal, the living person could become so too. Mm-hmm. And then Steve explains that the husband, Jason, wanted nothing to do with this investigation. And Amy seems really surprised by this. And I wanted to talk to him, obviously, but he wanted nothing to do with this investigation. Really? Yeah. Really? So the dead are being controlled by this presence that Amy has called the darkness and i'm gonna send you that picture be ready because this one yikes (gasps) (laughs) (gasps) right it's okay so it's like a tall it's like a goat or like a ram standing up on his back feet his goat feet and he's carrying a bag and Mm -hmm. there's stuff coming out of the bag that looks like forked tongues Oh, I was going to say it looks almost, oh, yeah, for I see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know what it's supposed to look like. And <gasps> and the client says, what is that? And she points to the bag. And Amy says, those are souls. They're souls that have gone to hell. And he keeps them with him in that bag, carries them around with him. So, and there's a little boy in that picture. I don't know yeah. who that is, that she doesn't really reference that what's the name of the satanic it's a goat sculpture and i can't think of the name of what it is oh really um bs no not bs above it's in sabrina the chilling adventures of sabrina and it's like they're like the statue or like the symbol of of satanism i have to google it now i know i was was gonna try to do that too Baphomet? Yes. That's what it looks like to me. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, yep. 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 Oof. With with the with the curly horns. Yep. And the goat feet and the, yep. the goat face. Yep. It does oh look like my that. God. Right. Nailed it. That's terrifying. I don't want to nail that. I know. I don't I know. No. <laughs> yeah. So this and I'll pop this quote in of Amy. She says I want to make this perfectly clear. You have a very serious situation here. You have young children who are directly in harm's way. These things could kill your kids. Steve wraps it up by saying, you know, Charlotte, you said you feel like you live in hell. Turns out you were right. Amy says the situation is beyond mere mortal intervention. 
She says, quote, there's nothing that can be done about it. Right now, the safest option is to move as fast as you can. <gasps> and I would have been like, zoom. I would have been like, okay, bye. I don't need any just, of my shit. I'm just yeah. out here. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but then Charlotte says, well, she has nowhere else to go. She doesn't think she can find a house big enough. Lady, you don't need 80 million square feet for your you six know, children that live at home. Your kids can share rooms. Yes. Just throwing that out there. So Amy tells her that after they leave, not if you leave, when you leave, you need to have an exorcism done in a place of worship for Jason. And Charlotte says, well, what happens if he won't do it? He probably won't do it. And Amy says, well, then you're going to have to leave him. Which I was really surprised that she went that far. Being good for her. It's, I mean, she's got to be concerned for their safety. Then. Yeah. I mean, he could he could do something. What if what if what if he's been taken it over by something mm-hmm. that's you know a murderous, right? Dead person. Then. Oh my god. Yeah. So Steve asks her if she's going to move out. She says yes. She has no choice. She cares about her family more than the property. Okay. So the update. This is a video update. It's it's Charlotte and her daughter, Haley, the one who was in Uh the reveal with her. Uh And she says, "Uh, since you've been gone, we've been looking for a place, but haven't found anything large enough for our family yet. Hopefully in the near future. And I screamed at the TV, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I don't know how long the update was after. I think it was like two months. I didn't Mm -hmm. write it down. Shame on me. I would have left within 24 hours, and she's still there months later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If she's the one that bought the house in 2012, she still owns it because it hasn't sold since then. Not that she she could have walked away. She could have moved away, but it hasn't sold. So, yeah. It didn't say the activity continues, but certainly it must have, right? And you said that that was in New London? New London, yep. New London. New London, Wisconsin. joining us for another episode of The Activity Continues. We hope you'll join us next week when we pick apart two more episodes. If you have a favorite episode you want us to cover, please let us know. You can DM us at any of our socials or email at theactivitycontinues at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and join us next time when The The Activity activity continues. Continues. The Activity Continues podcast is produced by me, Amy, at Collected Sounds Media and is a part of the independent Collected Sounds podcast network. Nailed it. This is just a 
disclaimer and sort of warning about this podcast. The Activity Continues podcast is in no way affiliated with The Dead Files, its production company, or any of its distributors. We are simply fans that love the show and love to talk about it and dissect it and yes, make fun of it, but we do love it. And all of the opinions expressed herein are ours alone and have nothing to do with The Dead Files or any of its cast, crew, production, or distributors. And we swear. Enjoy.